welcome back to the podcast. This is the Coaches Rising podcast and it's uh, we're going to be speaking to master coaches and people outside the field of coaching too. I remember when I was a DJ in a former life and I used to play drum and bass for a while. I loved it in nightclubs too. Oh, it was great times. But the drum and bass was this very innovative kind of music. But at some point it it started to kind of reference itself only. So it became very insular. And then it kind of died a bit, you know. It became kind of boring. And that is what I want to do with this podcast. You know, I want to, yes, speak to coaches, but also I want to speak to inspiring people doing innovative transformational work outside the field of coaching so that we can keep it fresh and innovate the field. And so in this conversation today. I'm talking with Kareem Hirani and Kareem is the senior director and head of practice at BTS. And BTS is a company that does uh, strategy execution, business development and leadership development um, with companies around the world. I think he mentions L'Oreal and Xerox today, you know, so they have hundreds of coaches who work for them, coaching leaders. And I thought this is brilliant because you know, that, that that this is like one of the things we want to do in this podcast too is like sense what's emerging in the field. And so Kareem is connected to a very rich informational field, these businesses that they work with. So we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about a number of things today. Like we'll talk about what approach did they take to coaching? They have done thousands and thousands of hours of coaching with leaders and then they have analyzed the kind of meta principles underneath those conversations to see what created transformation. They came up with these four mindsets that they see underpinning um, a lot of what leaders need to embody. Uh, The be mindset, relate mindset, think mindset and inspire mindset and we'll talk about what those are but we'll also talk about what's the kind of meta principle that helps a a client to shift from a reactive mindset into one of those mindsets. And we'll talk about the role of the coach in that process. What does Kareem see as being essential qualities that coaches need to embody? And beyond that, we'll talk about, yeah, what does he sense emerging in the field? They're they're noticing they're getting um, different kinds of requests from companies now about the work they want them to do with leaders. And we'll talk about, yeah, like the bigger picture, like what's the future of coaching? What's emerging in these times where this pandemic is creating such a disruption in the world? So it's a really rich conversation. I just vibe with Kareem. I really um, feel a kindred spirit when I speak with him. I think that comes through in the conversation. And so, um, as I mentioned, um, Kareem is... The, um, he's a senior director and head of practice for coaching, and he's also, um, you know, being the global head of learning and development uh, within BTS. He's also the author of the book "The Four Greatest Coaching Conversations: Change Mindsets, Shift Attitudes, and Achieve Extraordinary Results." So we'll dive in, but as usual, if you would be up for sharing this podcast, I'd be very grateful. Uh, you can find the share buttons on our homepage, coachesrising.com uh, forward slash podcast. You go to the individual podcast pages there and you can find share buttons. And um, I'd love it if you'd uh, leave reviews and things like that. And 
then let's dive in. Here's the podcast with Kareem Hirani. Kareem, it's it's so um, good to speak with you. We had a, a wonderful conversation, I don't know, maybe three weeks ago or something, but I, I, I just, just felt such an affinity with you and the work you do. So I'm really excited to be speaking with you and, and putting it out on the podcast as well. So how are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as you say that, Joel, it, I just feel that connection that we had last time and the kind of energy that got sparked up through our dialogue. So yeah, looking forward to our conversation and kind of open seeing where it goes like it did last time. And yeah, curious, open, excited about our time yeah. today. Yeah. So let's um, let's just start with a bit about the work you do. You work for BTS and maybe you could just share about what that company does and the, you know we'll talk about the approach that you take to coaching as well yeah beautiful so um just to very briefly maybe step back so we, we started uh, as a coaching uh, company initially about 15 16 years ago uh, and our whole philosophy was democratizing coaching so how do we turn it on its head so it's not just for executives but but also for you know leaders at all levels of uh, organizations who can benefit from the power as we know of coaching um, so we started there and in about um, 12 years later we'd grown quite considerably considerably and and then formed a partnership with BTS who then acquired us uh, so we've been BTS for the last three years or so um, so the, the approach that we were experimenting with initially which seemed to have taken off was around how do you work with mindset or worldview um, and then with BTS, they have a view about change. So BTS is a consultancy um, and they work with you know, FTSE companies to do a range of activities from business simulations through to leadership. Um, and central to their philosophy is in order to change, you have to work with alignment, mindset and capability. Um, and so the, the alignment around mindset was uh, a key connection uh, between the two organizations. So we slotted right in into the mindset and brought our research in as much as our coaching. So B BTS has you know, several practices uh, that, have, that include coaching now, uh, but also assessment, um, as I was saying, the business simulations and, and how we integrate them across these different practices um, is very powerful. So for example, if you're working in a simulated business environment, how do you bring coaching into that? So that a leader who's looking into the future of the business and where it wants to go. It's not just a focus on the business dimension, uh, you know, the numbers, the financials, but it's also how do I show up? Uh, how do I lead? You know, how do I challenge myself in this environment to practice um, a new worldview, a new way of looking, a new way of behaving? So that's some of the kind of integrations we're doing within BTS. We're coaching in different parts of the business, but some exciting times at the moment much needed as well yeah totally totally so I, I love the sound of that business simulation with coaching so is it like role playing and yeah. then you're you're inviting them to apply different coaching tools or approaches yeah. yeah 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 what they do is they um effectively spend about six months pretty much uh engineering the business so from you know what are the financials what are the different departments in the business and they kind of create this environment um, and the purpose then is, how do we use that environment to practice as leaders the strategy that we're trying to achieve? 
Um, and so you kind of come into a room potentially with 500 or 1,000 people, which is now virtual, um, and then start to experiment with, you know, aligning against the strategy. And of course, you know, on a business level, you know, that's making sure you're thinking about, you know, me and my function, how does it interconnect with another function in the business? Because sometimes if you're early in your leadership, you might be thinking about your own worldview. Um, but how do I think about the worldview of, you know, sales and marketing, you know, when I'm thinking about delivery of my product? So you're kind of expanding. So what's beautiful about these simulations is it starts to already broaden perspectives. And then, of course, you've got the nature of leadership that shows up. So you, when people are in these small tables, um, you know, you'll see people talking over each other, you're not particularly empathizing or um, getting in triggered <laughs> by the choices that are making. So we step in with what we call table coaches um, and invite people to stop and look at, hey, you know, what's going on here? What's the dynamic at play? And how does that then relate to, you know, going after the strategy that the business is trying to reach? So it's quite a, you know, exciting collaboration between coaching and, and business leadership. Um, you know, and for, for me, that they're both interconnected anyway. Um, but now we've got an explicit intervention around each. Uh, yeah. So that's one area where it's going. But yeah, lo loads of other integrations that are happening within this new business that we're in. Some of the most fun and effective um, coaching I did um, was similar to what you're describing. I think we would do simulated role plays with yes. certain objectives and scenarios. And then yeah. I would be there as a coach and we would do timeouts, you know, at certain yeah. points. That's and it. And in the, you could give in the moment feedback to the leaders yeah. in the room, and yeah. um, you know there could be kind of a peer coaching approach yeah. as well. And it was incredibly impactful to those leaders. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we, the, the the impact because it's so live in the moment. So you know, in a coaching conversation, you could talk about the objective or the goal or the focus and the experiment they want to do afterwards. Whereas here, you're in it live and you're pausing life in the moment to say, hey what's going on right now? You know, what do you notice about yourself? And then how do you, as you go back into the next moment, kind of shift so that you can show up differently. So there's an aliveness because you're faced with your demons right up front in the moment. Um, and there's no hiding from it. Um, so yeah, a lot of opportunity to work in the moment um, with people. So very similar to what you said, there's a little, it's like a timeout. Um, and we might do some pre kind of leadership development workshops um, to help people just to start to articulate uh, for themselves, you know, what what is it that gets them in not the great place they can be as a leader? You know, what how do they stop relating to others? So there's some awareness building, and then you kind of go into these scenarios where you live practice and go right. Here's your chance. So for the coach, it's like, hey, remember we talked about this? What's going on right now? Um, and it really develops that meta awareness because you now you know you've got this in the background. Um, the coach being present kind of reminds you <laughs> that I'm going to be asked to reflect. Um, so that becomes quite a powerful way in which to really activate people living some of the changes that they want to make. Yeah. Just just to listen to I mean, that you can bring that in one-on-one -on -one if you're coaching someone, get someone to role-play a conversation yeah. in the moment exactly. with you that, that's important and yeah. you can offer feedback. And so, yeah. so you also have coaches working with you, yeah? Like yeah. coaching yeah. leaders in organizations. How many coaches work with BTS? Yeah. So right now, globally, we have about 300 associates yeah. um, working with us. And so some of them will work within this, what we call leader lab, or kind of laboratory of learning about leadership. 
um, with these simulations. Um, but then they also continue to do the one-to-one -one work with leaders. Uh, so we'll work directly just um, uh, on a, it may be a strategic uh, goal that the business wants to have and the coaching will support that. Um, and it's very much about how do you meet the business direction with the human being? Um, you know, so what needs to shift in you as the business it goes in one direction or another. Um, so it's a beautiful dance that feels quite systemic um, in that, you know, the business is sh shifting, you know, how do you shift, you know, in, in alignment with that and focus on the key. Um, again, I know we'll come to mindset in a little while, but, um, you know, what are the mindsets that are up for you that you need to work on in order to take yourself forward as a leader in uh, your work and the impact you'd like to have? Uh, within and beyond the organization yeah because this is something really i think that can be valuable for our audience it's like you know you've got 300 coaches out there uh working with leaders in this kind of environment you've described uh, or, or approach and you know you've got really invaluable insights about what what works with leaders and and yeah. what they're asking for and also yeah. you've written this book i think it's really cool and, and you've done research so yeah. we, we could talk a bit of, hear about like what what are you finding is effective in creating lasting change you mentioned mindsets and yeah yeah, yeah. where would just take us where you want to go with that question yeah that that's a kind of mindset is probably a great segue into a, the, the broader conversation around change um so w when we first started um we, we weren't performance coaches and by that and i know there's so many definitions you know but we weren't focused on goal behavior change we were you know what needs to change within in order to have an impact out there and so we we were doing things um that involved working with the mindset and maybe helpful because to share what we mean by mindset because so many definitions around but for us it's not um in the mind it's it's mind with the kind of more Buddhist sense, kind of the, the capital M, it's the whole of ourselves. So it's our thoughts, our feelings, our physiology. And what we noticed when we first started coaching leaders is inviting leaders to really look at what's the mindset that I'm in, that I'm operating in when things aren't going the way that I'd like it to be. You know, what drives it? What are the thoughts and the beliefs, the patterns, you know, that shows up in my physiology? Um, and then you know, how do I shift and connect to something that's greater that's higher in me and um, so very early on that was our approach to coaching and we developed some really lovely research around the critical mindsets that we found leaders making so this is what went into the book um, so very simply what we noticed was there were kind of four areas that kept coming up over and over again so we had you know we coached probably about fifty thousand leaders over the years and you know, hundreds of thousands of coaching conversations where um, we confidentially looked at the data. So just to analyze themes um, and what we saw that there were themes around resilience, confidence, uh, being able to you know, be at my best. And underneath that, there was just a very fundamental mindset that shifted for each of those kind of symptoms, almost think about as root cause and symptoms. So several symptoms in leadership um, and then there was a fundamental mindset at the heart. And over time, we found there were probably about 20 leadership challenges that kept coming up, 20 or 30, um, ranging from you know, conflict through to being connected to my purpose, uh, to inspiring, um, to innovation. But underneath, there were, through those, probably four very common mindsets that kept coming up over and over again. 
And so what we did with the book was we um, shared that research, the insights, and what were those mindsets, the quadrants that they belong to? Um, and then how do you work with changing mindset? Um, you know, how do you understand when someone's presenting an issue, what might be the mindset at the heart of that? And, and then, how, you know, it was a mix of shifting mindsets, you know, a bit about transformational coaching, which is another area I know we could explore. Um, and then what are some tools that help, you know, people to articulate or have the right language in order to shift? Um, yeah. And as, yeah, and as people shifted, I think that was our success is that we found people having really great sustainable behavior change in how they showed up in the world. Um, and so we wanted to continue that kind of democratizing, democratizing of coaching. So we put it into book, we train leaders to work with those mindsets as well. So that's where it started to get really exciting when these kind of themes started to emerge around root cause mindsets and the leadership challenges that people face today. Yeah. Well, maybe you could name the mindsets and yeah. let's talk about like what, what is it that helps create yeah. the shift, but what are the mindsets? Yeah. yeah. So, and there's two really clear questions there. So one's what's the mindsets and then two, how, how do you shift a mindset? So there's some beautiful stuff out there and we've learned from our experience and just to name there's some amazing coaches that practice some of these ideas and we've tested and learned so i want to acknowledge them uh, in this as well but the, the four mindsets that were the most common and we found actually a handful more which is also in the book but the four critical ones um were number one the b mindset uh which for me is a it's in my words would be a, the resilience mindset the resourcefulness mindset and how do you shift that mindset um to go from a state of what we call you know, not at my best or in the box to be more resourceful. Um, mm. I'll talk about the technology of mindset change in a moment, but that was what yeah. that conversation was about. And then the second one was the relate uh, area. And this was about how do I, in relationships, um, shift from, you know, when, when you're in a dynamic, whether it's conflict or whether it's influencing or whether it's wanting to have a great conversation, you know, coaches will know about this. Um, and how do I really step into their world to empathize and um, to be with and meet the human being? So that the relate conversation was very much shifting the mindset around empathy. Um, the inspire one uh, was about how do I connect with my sense of values and purpose um, rather than, you know, get caught in my task or in my day to day. Um, so that third shift was around values and purpose and connecting with what is really true for me, you know, in my highest self. Um, and then the fourth conversation was about innovation. Um, so how do I shift from my kind of uh, what we call rivers of thinking that's kind of solve business challenges the same way to really letting go and being curious uh, and open to seeing the world in a new way. So what we then articulated in the book is here's, you know, some of the dialogues that we've had um, around each of these that's really helped and here's how we actually go about helping someone to move from one world view to another world view um, and that's quite an exciting place to talk about as well but yes and mm. I'll pause for a moment just to see if there's anything else Joel. Well just yeah presumably you can see how these all connect together as well yeah. like that they they probably influence each other if you shift in one it might create a shift in another Absolutely. or there's a holistic sense when I when I see them. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, it's a great spot. So, you know, just as a very simple connection, you know, when you're doing innovation, um, you know, you have to be connected to a sense of purpose. You know, a big part for me is sustainable innovation. You know, so how do I connect to the right question that's close to my heart, close to the heart of humanity? So that, that for me is the connection to the inspire conversation. And it's really important to be connected to your purpose. You know, it's connected to the relate conversation because you deeply need to listen and tune in to our environment, you know, to customers, but also to people in developing worlds. You know, if I'm a corporate that's using labor in other countries, how do I really listen to that perspective as I'm innovating a new solution, hopefully a sustainable solution? And of course, the B one is it's very frustrating innovation because you're grappling with, um, you know, something that's not created yet. And, you know, you're grappling with your old worldview. So how do I manage my state, you know, and be with that frustration? Because it's a very powerful moment of frustration that allows something new to emerge. So, you know, so there's a connection to the B mindset. So, yeah, they're, they're very interrelated Um so whilst they're each an explicit conversation, there is a holistic nature to all of them as well. Mm. Yeah, and um, I'd love to know, yeah, what, what, what have you found is yeah. it that helps shift? Like, I'm wondering if there are different approaches in each of those four mindsets or yeah. if there's like a meta shifting <laughs> move, you know, like presence yeah. or something like that. Yeah, what, yeah, what have you found that helps? Yeah. Yeah, Cheryl, I'm finding you're tuning into the questions that feel so right as well. Um, so I'd say that, there's, that there is a meta view across all of them. And then within the book, we've looked at how does that, you know, kind of um, show up in each of the conversations specifically. So that there's a specific um, way in which we apply that meta view of mindset change. So I think it'd be interesting to talk about the meta view um, first and then you know, the book has tools and, uh, and ways in which you can apply it. And, and the meta view, and what's passionate for me is it, it and I'd probably start with um, maybe something a little bit provocative around it, because when you look at neuroscience right now, you know, it, it explicitly is now starting to show, you know, it's not that we're interpreting the world through colors and, you know, we'll see one shape or color in one context and then another sh the same shape Will look different in another context. I think it's also true the way we look at the whole of our experience. Um, I think it might be worth just sharing an example that feels tangible <laughs> as well Great. so people can catch it. So um, this is quite live because it happened this morning with my daughters. So of course I'm getting ready to go to this webinar with Peter Hawkins and Eve Turner around the Climate um, Alliance. And my daughter's woken up in a really bad mood and she doesn't want to... Um, she doesn't want daddy to go. And you know, so I'm caught in a mindset, um, <clears throat> which is, oh no, she's getting in my way. She's, she's being awkward. And my whole worldview in the way I see her is, you know, here's a problem I need to solve. Um, now that worldview then has its own impact and results, you know, and parallel it to organizations as well. But the impact is I'll then say to her, hey, come on, you've got to get ready, get out. Um, Equally, she will then react back. It's quite a fiery one, my five-year-old. Um, she'll fire back and say, no, that's it. I'm going to scream even louder now to get your attention. And we're in this horrible cycle. But that worldview then self-prophesizes, you know, it is going to be a horrible day now. 
alternatively, I can shift into or catch myself and I'll talk about that journey of change, the meta change. But I did catch it, thankfully, this morning. And I did think, oh, this is potentially might come up as an example today. Um, and just for a moment felt the kind of the relate shift, you know, hang on, here's my child who's upset, doesn't want daddy to go. And just feeling my heart soften towards her and say, hang on, she's just screaming out for a bit of time. Um, I have, you know, I can waste half an hour in this toing and fro, but I've got five minutes just to sit and chat to her. And, and we did. I said, hey, what's up? You know, and it was like, I don't want you to go. And I was like, okay, I don't, I'm going to miss you too, my sweetie. Um, you know, why don't you want daddy to go? Because I want to play. I'm not going to school today. I want to play. So, okay, what can we do? Because daddy has to, you know, go to work today. He's got some things to do. And, and through that, you know, we had a little conversation and we agreed after the end of the day, we're going to play some a little board game she loves. But the, the, the mindset or the worldview there was um, really feeling into who she is, you know, rather than my story about her. Um, and in that, you know, my behavior changed, my connection to her changed. So I've got these two worldviews. And then the meta story is how do we shift? Um, and so I think the first step is to kind of almost be conscious or expose the worldview. So what I'd be doing is just almost like a step one is, hey, I'm in this mindset that seeing my daughter is, you know, something that's in the way, you know, something that's in the way. And the moment I can expose that and go, wow, I'm seeing it like that. And um, certainly in coaching, once you expose it, what you're doing here is you're inviting the coachee to articulate hey what's going on in that worldview so tell me the thoughts tell me your reactions tell me your uh, physiological responses and and so you're just inviting the coachee to really uproot the worldview through which they're seeing um, and that often gets missed because people talk about you know let's get them into a better place but you know you're meeting them in the place they're in and what I notice is as you expose it one's own consciousness starts to see hang on you know, I'm starting to objectify this person or I, you know, I'm seeing it as something that's getting in the way of my need and my control. And so in the exposing, the awareness itself starts to catch, actually, something's not okay here. So it's the first step um, in terms of the meta process. I think the second step, um, you know, certainly this morning, I probably did it a little bit more unconsciously, but in a coaching session, it's inviting people to see, well, what, what's the payoff of that? And what's the cost of that? You know, the cost is, you know, probably going to actually waste more time. Um, cost is you know, they're probably going to not have a great morning. Uh, she's not going to have a great morning. Um, and you can go broader, you know, it's probably going to impact my wife and you know, they're going to go out and, you know, she's going to be in a little bit of a mood. So, you know, you can broaden the impact. Um, and what we're doing here is like a sense of kind of letting go of the old um, through understanding it. And, you know, what would be helpful instead? So in that second step, you're kind of looking at, hey, what are you going to die to here? Um, and what needs to wake up in you? And so we're not telling the coachy, hey, that's bad. This is good. It's like, what are you noticing? You know, what's not helpful? What's a better way? You know, and allowing the coachy to kind of say, hey, actually, I feel, you know, maybe I'm not empathic here. Maybe I'm not feeling my daughter's perspective. You know, and I might, as a coach, say, hey, I'm noticing there's not a lot of empathy towards this person who you love uh, or who you care about in your business, um, if it's a client situation. 
Um, so we kind of invite that broadening of um, perspective. So what would be more helpful? You know, what's more helpful way of looking at this? You know, actually, she's just a kid. She's missing her dad. You know, she wants to play. And, and suddenly that worldview sees so differently from the reactive one. Um, and so in the third step, we're almost asking people to embody it. You know, so mm -hmm. what is that worldview like if you're really being your dad or a great leader? And what does that feel like? You know, what's the experience of that? Does it show up like in your body? And now what are you going to do? You know, so it's not mental, you know, of course, just be nice to her and get her out. <laughs> it's actually, I'm just going to spend a few minutes and make connection with her. You know, the behavior changes from that mindset. And then suddenly the impact is massively different as well. So those, those three kind of meta steps kind of set at the heart of each of those conversations that, you know, there's various tools, like you can do some perceptual positions from NLP to really shift into the other perspective. But whatever technique you have, it's really inviting that movement through those stages, you know, which I think is at the heart of, you know, nature, you know, caterpillar to butterfly, you know, one worldview to another worldview. You know, the other worldview allows me to fly, um, but I do have to go through the pupa. You know, there's a letting go, a dissolving, and then allowing something new to emerge. So there's a kind of broad paintbrush around mindsets and changing them. Yeah. I, I, I think it's wonderful that you articulate this kind of meta journey of, of shifting because, um, you know, you could, you could see it from um, a neuroscientific perspective, yeah. but also, also from, you know, you mentioned awareness itself. Yeah. Um, yes. There's something in that, you know, but I just yeah. thought of like Dan Siegel talking about the plane yeah. of possibility and how, yeah. you know, yeah. um, we can get identified in these peaks yeah. of experience you know where we all recognize that where it's like suddenly our nervous system's activated yeah uh, we've kind of reified a certain um yeah. you know interpretation of yeah. how things are and and then everything yeah. tightens up you know yeah and we're fixated we're reactive you described it and something and when he talks about accessing the plane of possibility which is this you know awareness the the hub of his wheel of awareness so yeah you know um what yeah. that begins to open up, you know, how actually yeah. allows us to relax or to shift to something yeah. where things start to move again yes. and a yeah. new and something new becomes possible, you know, like yeah. a new That's perspective or a, yeah. a new insight, you know, suddenly I can take the perspective of my daughter, yeah. whereas before I was reactive in my own. So yeah. um, I, I, I really appreciate how you describe this meta view. And I think maybe... Yeah it's very explicit for coaches listening or not. Maybe it's implicit. Maybe people recognize it in what you're talking about. But yeah. um, I think as the coaching field matures, yeah. it's like we're, we're starting to codify in some sense these these yeah. moves, you know. And then this third move you talk about where you embody mm -hmm. that new way, you know. It's not just yeah. an yeah. idea, but it's actually what is it to embody this. And, you know, just so often, so yeah. often in my coaching clients, it's like, that, like you said, once they catch themselves, mm. awareness starts to kind of change things. It's not like they have to yeah. make a change happen. It's like the change starts to happen. And then with the shift, like a new, the new, um, the creativity comes in. Yeah, It's like, yeah. suddenly yeah. it's like, oh, now I see this course of action or this yeah. insight. And yeah. it's more it's more mature or it's got a higher level of um, wisdom yeah. and compassion inside yeah. of it. 
Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I keep talking about with these four shifts is it's about conscious leadership, which is how we're positioning this, that through, um, you know, becoming aware of the, the patterns, you know, the contractions, you know, sub-personality that I reify inside my mind, um, you know, as I become aware of it and let go, um, something new emerges that, you know, has, as you say, wisdom, you know, for me to think, you know, mindset shift is, is very much linked to wisdom. You know, there's compassion, which is linked to the relate uh, area. You know, there's a sense of, um, what's the way, kind of a, a state of almost relaxation and availability or presence in the B quadrant. Um, and then in the inspire one, there's a sense of p- purpose. You know, so for me, as you practice, you know, those possibilities i love what you said about dan siegel the possibility space opens up and and then you can respond from a different place different worldview and the more you embody it and let it kind of translate into your feeling and your experience inside it's like this this state starts to really kind of almost manifest and show up if you imagine a leader that is really connected with a sense of purpose or to the humanity of another you know that the whole behavior and interaction changes so there's a real power of that which also links Joel to one of the questions that you said around you know what is it that the coach can bring to that that supports that shift you know what's the capacity um but yeah let me pause because I, I know with well yeah starting, uh, well, each other with the dialogue yeah let, let's just pick up that question you just kind of dropped in there like what what do you see as being important that the coach okay. can bring in that can support this work you know i'm going to probably say something a little bit um different from what might be expected but also come back to what might be expected here so i I noticed from so we've worked with leaders and coaches in using these um ideas in the coaching and i think the first thing was just the the graft it took to learn you know the nature of change so we, we would effectively show people these change processes ask them to practice you know a bit like riding a bike you know initially can you know what the wheel is you know the power of really embodying or can you know what the brake is you know really working with that element so i think just learning this the art form as a skill and then we would insist that it's quite challenging but go and let it go you know let the whole thing go and meet the human being in front of you so i think the first thing is that um the, the skill practice but the second and more profound thing is the presence of the coach. Um, you know, I noticed even in today's uh, call, I was listening to Peter. How do I bring a presence of everything into the room? So this human being, their interconnections, their roles, the humanity, the planet. And I think in that space, you know, that, that plane of possibility starts to become really vast. Um, and so for me, the practice of a coach is, develop that mindful presence so that what needs to show up what's the shift that's coming up here can really be made uh, possible because you're allowing it with your coachee um, mm-hmm. so I think that's the other practice for me is developing that mindful presence as a coach I'm curious how you invite your um, the people the coaches that work for you to do that maybe they all have yeah. their own practice because yeah. I, I i just to, as a backup it's like you know listeners of this yeah. podcast will know i'm i'm such an advocate of <laughs> presence as a as a kind of um 
capacity that that we can hold, yeah. which in and its in and of itself can begin to activate yeah. a yeah. sense of kind of movement in our clients, and it's what makes it being for me like transformational coaching, where it's yeah. like I've got the tools, but they're not primary. It's like yeah. primary is my presence and my yeah. attunement to my clients in the yeah. moment. You know, yeah. if I'm just if I'm caught in holding my tools and trying to fit them yes. through, through the tools, it's like it can actually create more distance yes. between me and my clients. And I'm I'm actually trying to fit them into a kind of um, yeah. you know framework, and so yeah. and diminishing the kind of organic complexity that they are. So. Um, nevertheless, tools are brilliant. You know, like the, d- yeah. the distinctions mm. that you described about these mindsets and the, and the meta principles yeah. are like yeah. potent yeah. distinctions that I can recognize. Yeah. So, but it's like, yeah. that's a, yeah. So I'm holding like presence as a kind of primary yeah. factor. So maybe yeah. you can riff on that if you want, or, or like, yeah. you know, how you invite people to cultivate yeah. presence. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I mean, uh, you know, and, and what I notice is, is is this kind of dance between, you know, discriminating awareness, you know, so how do I discriminate what's showing up in this space, you know, which is what the four perspectives are. But I absolutely align that the primary is that that is within the presence, you know, and so hopefully your intuition or the clarity from your mind says, hey, they're talking about this um, and you can invite that into the room. Um, and how do we develop presence? I mean, that there are such great world leaders out there in the field of presence. I mean, as you know, with our community, um, that there are a lot of, you know, a lot of our strongest coaches just naturally have their own practice of mindfulness or something equivalent, something can connect to consciousness or spirituality that kind of allows them to then be present. Um, you know, and we try and bring in people, you know, into our community. So we, you know, we had, I know we talked last time, Joelle, about Doug Silsby and how we're both fans of the late Doug Silsby. And um, mm. so we brought in people like him, several. Um, and, and then we also talk a bit about vertical development. So, you know, with, with vertical development, the level of identification with what you take yourself to be reduces. So, you know, those things we attach to, as I lose grip of them, you know, I settle into this space in which I can be present and show up in the room. So I think there's, you know, it's, it's a mix of bringing the world of thought leadership into the community. There's a lot of beautiful coaches, um, you know, leadership development facilitators who have their work as part of it. Um, and then I think it's, you know, bringing insight and thinking so that we're constantly challenging ourselves to keep exploring that question of presence development and whether that's a spiritual practice or a mindfulness practice and I think you can't help it you know I notice as our associate community evolves with us and in their own way that becomes so obvious that's the work um you know that I can then show up you know in Mm. the room with my client yeah Uh, um I'd love to ask you about because I think this fits with the times we find ourselves in yeah and yeah. you know i i um the of course the, the coaching field is situated within these times we find ourselves in as yeah. as the business yeah. world is and yeah. many other aspects of humanity and i wonder um well there's there's several questions i could ask around this mm-hmm. but um how, yeah m- maybe i could ask like how do you see the context of coaching changing yeah 
um, this year, even, you know, with um, the pandemic that's hit and, um, you know, do you see your clients asking you and your company for, for different things or, um, you know, or, or is it pointing to how some of the things you do are even more important? Like what, what do you see emerging in the field? I guess. Great, great question. Um, So almost feels like kind of two levels to answer this. So what, what, what I noticed first is, and um, so we've made our own connection to those quadrants. So we'll start with that one. So we're noticing certain clients talking about, wow, the stress levels, our health and well-being, the mental health that's happened through COVID and the pandemic. You know, can we have some coaching support around that? So can, that area feels really relevant. You know, the relate space around connection in a virtual setting. You know, we're all working away from each other. Um, so there's lots of conversations that we have with clients who are asking for, how do you create connection, you know, and the importance of it has become even louder because we're now not as physically connected. Um, and the thing that's emerging now more is coming back to our purpose. Um, so I'm noticing a lot of our clients now going, we really need to make a step change in that. And that's always been around, you know, purpose stuff, but it feels like it's really got louder. So there's quite a lot of work we're doing around um, helping people define their leadership purpose, their value system. That seems to have got louder. My, my own narrative around that is you know, how do we, it's because I think organizations are coming back to, you know, what is important, you know, noticing the impact organizations have in society. Um, and of course, innovation, you know, the market's changing, the customer needs are changing. So how do we now innovate to keep up? Otherwise we go down because our old product strategy just doesn't work anymore. So I think that's one lens um, to, to answer that question from. But the other lens, I think, is I, I noticed that there are some who have gone into, you know, that old mindset of we need to try harder, work harder, go faster um, as a reaction. And, and there are those that have stopped and almost going through their own change curve of, hang on, that may not be right. Now, maybe there's something more about consciousness leadership um now how that shows up in words that i see are you know we need to be more compassionate with our people more compassionate with our people or kinder towards our people um you know in in the uk i saw our our, um one of our ministers talking a lot about kindness as a government which is you know and it came up quite a few times so that systemic theme feels around you know it's on my street as well there's a lot more kindness so it feels like there's almost feels like a bit of a split between the two. Um, it's my experience of, of our clients. Um, and it, it's interesting to see which ones will make it through it or not. Um, and in the kindness or the, the, the more conscious space around purpose, around relating to our employees, our workforce, and the caring for the people who are suffering with you know, job threat or even job loss, um, that shift seems to be creating a more softer heartfelt workplace and hopefully society as well. But I see both trends really rele- really present you know, um, from, from the work that we do. I think this is really important. So I can, yeah, I can get like, it's like there's, there's some people who are like doubling down on the, like we need to work harder kind of form higher okay. kind of vibe. And then it's, yeah, there's other people who are, yeah. you know, saying, well, yeah, resilience is important or well-being is important. Kindness is important. And you said more kind of a heart-centered 
And I, like why I think this is important is because, you know, we're, we're in this inquiry with coaches rising of like, who, who are we becoming and yeah. uh, what, what, what's the world becoming? And, yes. um, you know, in a way, sensing into that, just like yeah. not coming in with like any sense of we, we have the answers, but yes. um, recognizing where we do hold wisdom, yes. uh, but also sensing in and that's why i really value our conversation because yeah. you're you're like connected to a whole yeah. network a whole system of yeah. pe- nodes of of information you know people out there working with people yeah. and yeah. and so you're you're like um you're you're sort of sensing certain things that are emerging um, oh, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and i think what you say there around you know we're inquiring into who we are it feels like all these things that are happening so COVID now feels like a bit like history in one sense, because there's been the diversity and inclusion stuff since then. There's, you know, now the climate change has come back to, to the, you know, with even more vigor. Um, and so I think this kind of critical turning point of consciousness feels like it's surfaced um, through this and that wider question of what, what are we, what are we contributing? What are we doing in the world uh, when we hold it all? And it feels like a really lovely birth and death moment um but it's you know as birth and death is it's it's a mixture of contractions and expansion that can be really tough to negotiate um i feel like we're in that you know and holding up the mirror to draw we're asking the question that says hey there's all of this how are we going to really respond to this rather than default back into the the way that got us here in the first place um so really it feels quite you know through the work we do yes i have a lovely opportunity to see some of these patterns and it feels systemic you know go up a level like that critical opportunity stroke destruction point is right in 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 our faces right now and what what do you think is um being who are we being invited to be you know like as as coaches or as leaders in business yeah Yeah. great question yeah so I just noticed that just touches my heart. Um, mm. and, I, and I noticed, Joel, that maybe that question itself just feels like it touches me. It's, you know, I think that's the question. Like, who do we want to be now as opposed to the story or the cultural pattern that's brought us to this point? I think the act of asking that question feels really loud. Like, who are we? What, what products are we really going to create? that impact society that you know i think though that question is is the very conscious question that touches me um and you know the the, the lens that sometimes i hold is the vertical development lens on that you know know, and i know some people listening in will know about this but there's a particular shift that happens from being caught by that kind of business growth trying to get somewhere, trying to win in the marketplace, get the biggest consumer share, et cetera. I think that world view is getting challenged to a more, hey, there's human beings here. There's a heart. There's, you know, there's a planet. And I think all the voices of that are loud. You know, the human beings in the form of diversity and inclusion, the planet in terms of climate change. I think it's calling us to wake up something more deeper into ourselves and I think that question invites the emergence of that um, yeah. into the fore. 
yeah I, I love what you say there like because actually it tunes me into how how it's here now yeah. in in this in this conversation between us yeah. and so i feel a sense of yeah. um inspiration yeah. and and kind of resonance yeah. and flow and it's as if like that i think this might be one of the shifts it's as if like yeah. there's a way that from a, a conventional perspective yes. we could have hashed through that question who yeah. are we being invited to be let's map it out and uh you know like uh, analyze it yeah and actually there's something about tuning into the the kind of um the the livingness of that question yeah. how not only that through through living it it can transform us but it's like within the question is the energy the intelligence perhaps that's being we're being invited to um you know allow to to kind of come through us more um you know like if i tune into my heart it perhaps is this is that the heart is the place where where i can kind of open and allow this to be here more and I, it, it, you know it like it brings a certain kind of intimacy and um and and resonance which is quite touching you know and yeah. um i think that might be one of the the, the 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 I think this might be one of the things that's being invited just to to add to that and and then I want to see what you think is like purpose I think is another flavor of this sense of you know these times are are like having us kind of stop or maybe stop's not the right because I felt like I've been <laughs> kind of busier than ever in a sense but at least to deeply question who am I and what's this life that I live about? And it invites me into the, again, the the kind of um, the living sense of what's my unique contribution in this time. And in a sense, like, how do I, how do I need to get out the way to allow that to, to kind of move through me? And I'm, I'm wondering about that. You know, you mentioned like um, conscious leadership and, I and, and higher self and I wonder sometimes I wonder if I live in my own bubble you know and I talk to people who feel this way too but do you um what do you think about what I'm saying for one yeah. you know feel free to riff and but also what do you think leaders would say like because you know <laughs> they might be like yeah that's all just fluffy <laughs> kind of stuff and I've got like a thousand people to to yeah. lead and um their jobs and yeah 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 wow um i mean just firstly just to respond to you know it, it being in the room that feels so right you know you know I, I felt the intimacy with you sharing you know so that was very touching and, and that sense of feeling a high sense of purpose showing up in this moment um you know and that you know we, we shifted from talking about to being in which is exactly you know, what I think the shift is about showing up here. So that feels very touching um, that it's here, you know, the sense of purpose, the relate, the creativity that comes, you know, and, and just us being in our authentic selves. So I think that really resonates. Um, to continue to riff, so I'll go with what's coming up in me, um, is, you know, I, I, I think that that kind of, turning point that question that you talked about the who am i question which is the very 
post-conventional question that brings you into yourself in your most deepest way or your highest way. Um, and I think that's, that feels like the question as for individuals. And we talked about the societal question about who we are. Um, and I think that's the post-conventional question is, who am I? What am I showing up? And I see the grapple, you know, in myself sometimes, but, but also in leaders. So there are those who go, look, I ain't got time for this because I've got to, you know, show me the way to get through, give me the best results that I can get, you know, and you kind of go, oh, you know, how do I just slow down and be present and call that out? Um, and there are many who are in crisis who are open and who are going something else here. Um, and maybe I'll bring our previous conversation into the dialogue. Just personally, um, Joel, you know, what we were talking about around leaders who are waking up to something bigger than themselves. You know, it still feels like it's kept under the radar because, you know, business culture is not kind of open to that. It's quite split from our spirit, our being. Um, yet it's showing up through values, through purpose, through authentic leadership. So it's kind of creeping in uh, anyway, you know, and then the stats are showing, actually, if you do hold compassion for your people, it actually does work. So it's creeping in. Um, the language is still not there. Leaders, I noticed there is a there are a lot of leaders who I've worked with who bring that dimension of their, I don't know, for want of a better word, their spirituality, their being, their presence, um, and feel safe enough to talk about it in the coaching, but then don't get explicit about it. So you know, for something for me is how do we allow that dialogue to open up into the workplace? You know, so to go beyond authentic leadership and purpose, you know, and but start talking about. You know, even beyond that to, you know, who are you? What is true for you? You know, what is your calling in this organization? You know, so to move from purpose to calling. And that starts to feel really juicy. Are there leaders like that from my experience? I, I find many um, that I coach um, working in this space or, you know, when we're doing leadership stuff, someone will come and have a little chat and I'll go, wow, did you know, you know, this is something I'm really passionate about. And suddenly we're, we're having a big rich deep and meaningful but i think the barriers in organizations are you know at the moment strong so that those conversations don't break out those individual kind of corners um as a percentage i don't know you know why it's i i wonder how much because i'm open to it kind of attract that conversation so i have a very biased view of yeah of course people are um but I would also say from, you know, from experience of talking to others, it seems like there is more openness to this, you know, and I'd love for that to continue and start to kind of be more of a dialogue that gets open in businesses as well. Mm. But I know, Gerald, you've got your own kind of experience of that. So I'd love to hear your uh, connection to that too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I... Um... I, 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 again, like I seem to attract, of course, as we do, I attract people who um, like the way I work and think about things. And so, um, you know, they, they're naturally open to, um, I think, two, two, um, two streams that seem to be really drawing people. One is like presence. So, which is a word that could mean a lot of different things to a lot of people, but it's like some sense like, how can I, I'm, I'm bigger than who I think I am on a, ph a phenomenological level. So very practical. It's like people who are like, okay, 
I feel what happens when I, when I kind of expand a lot of out of being identified with my thinking inside my head, you know, it's like this yeah. kind of like tension often people feel and um, that, that kind of thinking self yes. is, is very much oriented to like maintaining homeostasis or, you know, control and yeah. is scanning for threat and, mm-hmm. you know, problem solving. Yeah. And so they feel the shift when they, they shift out um, as, um, you know, as they, for example, begin to source themselves from an awareness-based sense yeah. of self. Yeah. And I think there are many great tools and people are really open, more and more open to that. It seems to be getting easier for people. And they're, they're like, oh, yeah, my whole physiology changes. My nervous system relaxes. Yeah. Uh, I'm more open to the unknown and uncertainty. Yeah. And um, thinking starts to become a sense that I can harness rather than who I am. And it's, yeah. um, there are so many benefits to that. And then I think another stream is this thing you just beautifully described. It's like, what's calling me? Mm-hmm. So there's like that spaciousness that comes from the presence work can actually then allow somebody to tune into what's calling me or what's calling us as a team or as, as a company more, um, accurately like it's like if i'm just caught up in the busyness and the noise and my nervous system's full of cortisol and i'm yeah. pumped up it's like i'm i'm in that hamster wheel so they yeah. so they open and and become more present and it's like not cultivating presence but recognizing i am presence that's mm. an important shift and then they can allow this sense of what's calling me to kind of come in as a kind of um, knowingness or a sense of insight and inspiration and um, I've seen that have amazing impacts on the way people show up as leaders. Yeah. Um, so, so that's what comes up. And I've also, you know, I have stepped a bit more away from working in some organizations where, you know, the, the, the people just seemed less um, yeah. interested in that. You know, yeah. so I, I didn't, I'm aware I'm in a bit of a bubble, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. I, and I think that connects to me is, you know, that there's the, the these two ways in which um, this shows up, you know, and I look at, for example, with Google, where they've got the search inside yourself, um, you know, course that they do, the whole organization often gets booked and it's very much about mindfulness and how do I step back to my sense of passion and purpose. So I see those things starting to show up very clearly um, and just connecting back to mindset. And, you know, as, as people start to let go of those, you know, fixed worldviews and the kind of control world or the safety creating worldviews that we learned to adapt when we were younger, um, you know, as they loosen something, you know, something goes, aha, there's something here, you know, it's more than just what I thought. And so there's almost this journey and each time you loosen, you know, something else starts to become available to you. And, and then, you know, you're almost on that path of, you know, no return. You've taken the blue pill, you know, and you're now down, you know, and I I, I noticed, you know, I had a dialogue with a few uh, leaders who became coaches. And and once you start that journey, it starts to strip away at you, you know, and it's frustrating because you, you want to, you want to have the nirvana, but actually there's the, actually you've got to work through those patterns and you've got to let go. And each time, yes, it's difficult. And then you find something deeper, truer. Um, so coming back to the, the point about um, 
think there were two here actually. One is about, you know, is it fluffy for leaders? Um, and the other one is, you know, around organizations allowing this dialogue to happen. I think with leaders, I think as the self-development journey starts to take shape, take root, I think it naturally moves to this place of presence. You know, it's, it's the only way to go because like all coaching schools are about awareness building, you know, but the ICF's core competencies are now a little bit more about perception and mindset and um, perspective taking. So, you know, you're, you're letting go of perspectives and each time you let go, something else has space to be present. Um, and I think organizations are now going, oh, this seems to be working. Compassion seems to be working. Um, and so, you know, you can't help but go, there's something greater kind of flooding into the system. Um, and there are those who are not up for it. I agree. You know, there are those who go, uh-uh, happy with my way. It's safe. It works. But I think that's getting rocked this year, <laughs> you know, yeah. which is back to our conversation. I'm, I'm going to call myself out here because actually um, when I say that question to you about is it fluffy, what it points to in me is there, there is a place where it's, there's a compartmentalization still or there's still identity around um fully owning my highest realizations around this work so so you know it's basically like i say like oh do you think it's fluffy it's like i'm 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 like you know um it it kind of creates a little bit more safety you know uh than actually fully landing inside of saying i'm i'm pretty fiercely dedicated to this work with my clients because I, I I see the impact and that it's incredibly practical. You know, when somebody begins to, as you described, you know, with your mindsets, like when they can regulate themselves yeah. and, um, and, and, and become uh, better and better at shifting yeah. over time. And then at the same time, less and less takes them out of being yeah. in those empowered mindsets, do, and, do you know, you know beautiful and i'm glad you're voicing this joelle because i'm going to just give it a a language that i've been reflecting on is this um paradox that can be apparent around science versus spirit or being and you know i think that the psyche at the moment in western society is this spirit stuff is non-scientific it's fluffy you know it's a bit woo woo um and and then we get hooked into that and call it fluffy as a, yeah, yeah, we know it's a bit that. Um, but actually the, the, you know, the truth is that there is a real marriage of sciences, but, you know, ultimately the scientists were absolute inquirers about what's unfolding, you know, and then were able to articulate it through math or physics or whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I think when I heard you say, actually, this is what I'm dedicated to. She thought, oh, yeah, that's maybe what we need to do is start owning that. This is something very truthful. You know, there's something very real. You know, we don't know the answers, but that's part of the journey. And, and you know, there is a scientific inquiry in that, and that I'm open to the new. And if we can hold both and say, yeah. Um, but I think the zeitgeist almost in, in organizations is woo-woo, so we'll kind of align with that. So I love you naming, actually, I'm dedicated to this. And I think, you know, some of the research around it shows the symptoms of those uh, ways of being are really powerful. Um, you know, even explicitly, actually, that, that there's something else that 
was pre the, the book we talked about that um, it's got pause now, but it was investigating the, 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 um, the, the science of spirituality and, and how businesses, and I can share this because this is not, um, some of these are our clients, but I won't voice which ones, but it's in the public domain, but organizations like L'Oreal, Xerox, actually took a very explicit perspective around we're going to bring this woo-woo stuff into the way we operate or into the way we create you know so Xerox created the an eco-friendly copier I think it was um, and then it had a great success in the marketplace so I think those who are starting to go actually we can have this and it works for business you know and there isn't a contradiction or one's this and one's that they both work hand in hand and the more we stand, you know, work our own system patterns in us, you know, I wonder how that shows up differently in society too. Mm, yeah, yeah, totally. Um, um, well, well I'm, I'm, I feel very invigorated from this conversation. Yeah, and I'm, I'm wondering if like there's something you might want to, an invitation you might want to make to coaches listening, you know, that might be evoked from Ooh. our conversation today or... Yeah. You know, if you could just say something to them, yeah. feel free not to, but. Yeah, um. no. Do, do you know, I'm going to start with a, a weird invitation, which is, you know, if those interested in the book, I want to start with, don't buy it if you want to read it as a, you know, this is going to give me some answers. You know, it really is a book that is an inquiry, you know, do the questions that, that the way we've set it up is lots of coaching questions for yourself first. And then how can you use these questions, you know, when you're working with your clients and it can feel a bit directive in the first instance, because it's sharing some of the skills that, you know, once they're in you, then you open up. So that's the first thing I'd say is uh, not to buy the book if it's for that reason. And, but the second thing is just sparked by our conversation, Joelle, is that just the invitation to keep um, working our own presence, you know, so that we are in service to what seems to be shifting so that we become part of that change in our being, you know, including this kind of owning our fluffiness as part of, you know, the, the, the power that it brings with change. So I think I, that would be my call to myself, to, to, to people listening in, because uh, I noticed that when some of our coaches do their best work, you know, it's when I show up in the room and something happens and I go, where did that come from? Um, and it isn't me, it's, you know, it's because I was just open to it. And um, so that would be the other invitation. I think there's an intelligence that shows up through us, through presence, we can open up to it. So it'd just be a, almost like a prayer to us all, um, you know, a, a wish. And, and just to, um, I was going to bring it to close, but I just want to, something you said there, which mm -hmm. I, I think is really important. Like I know you're um, uh, inspired by Almas's work and, yeah. um, I'm greatly so too. And um, this sense of like, as we cultivate presence where we don't need to control the outcome of the coaching, you yeah. know, as we can go in as a coach and um, I don't need to make the client go through my method, but I can yeah. sit in confidence and allow the dynamic intelligence of the moment to kind of move through. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and that's where the growth and insights and realizations come from, you know, that I, that I actually create a container yes. for that to happen, you know, and, and I can model that for my, for my client, you know, that I can say, I don't know where we're going to go right now, yeah. Yeah. but I know that will take us somewhere much more powerful than if I 
try to get you to a certain place, yeah. maybe based on my need to be a good coach or <laughs> get value. But that, that, that allowing that intelligence to start working, I think that's, a, that's one of the key capacities for coaches to yeah. be able to um, harness, to be able to harness that. Yeah, beautiful connection and you know with Almas's work it's it's a really interesting you know I know you know about his his one of his methods is inquiry um and it's this really lovely dance you know and something else that may have come into the room and is coming now is it's a dance of the masculine and the feminine like in your inquiry you've got a question you know which has got a kind of a directionality to it um and then there's the you know the femininity or you know which we have in us all you know, that just holds the space and is receptive and open. And it's that kind of in the meeting of both, something creates, is my sense. And that's what I love about inquiry. And even with, you know, I noticed with objective setting, which is the kind of traditional, we set the goal. But I notice when we really pay attention um, to, you know, feedback 360, what's showing up in their development journey and get inquisitive, actually we, we kind of catch the intelligence of the development and, and then can start to articulate it. And I noticed the deeper we go into that, you know, the, the more we feel like, oh, that's where you're going and you've come to this coaching for that part, this part of your journey. And so there's this paradox of there isn't a goal, but there is something emerging in your direction. Um, and, and then how do you hold both, you know, the, the directionality and the receptivity to whatever shows up? So, and I know we could have another yeah. hour on this as well, Joel. So yeah, um, well, let, let's um, let's yeah. let's do that at some point. You know, like I, I actually would. Um, I think I'd love to talk with you about this topic because um, yeah. it's really important. So, but yeah, um, yeah we're going to kind of wrap it up here and um, yeah. uh, tell us about where we can find out about your work, about your book. You know, like so. Yeah, yeah. So the, the book, I don't think you've named the title of the book so it's called the four because it's a very conventional title should warn you about that's four greatest coaching conversations you can get that from amazon um connect with me on linkedin which i'd love to connect with people who want to know more about what we've talked about just you know, so kareem hirani um you can see it on the page um and feel free to find me and, and our company's bts.com you know and if you want to look at the coaching part forward slash coaching so different ways but yeah i'd love to just hear from people if they're interested to open up the dialogue around this. Great. Thanks yeah. so much, Karim. Okay, thanks for listening. I really appreciate that. I hope you are well and be well until the next podcast comes out. Again, if you feel like sharing this podcast, I think it's got some rich information inside of it that maybe inspires coaches, then you can do so by heading to coachesrising.com forward slash podcast can find the individual podcast page there and then scroll down you'll find the share button if you're not on our mailing list and you want to stay in the loop about the other resources we create and the programs we create online training programs we've been doing for over a decade now then go to coachesrising.com coaches and uh, scroll down the page there you'll find a sign up box and then we'll be back again soon we've got some really cool guests coming up so stay tuned for that be well